0: Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, it's Mark Graben here. Welcome to Episode 474 of the podcast. It's May 3rd, 2023. Our guest today is Norbert Majerus. We're going to learn more about him in a minute. We're going to be talking about lean and innovation So to learn more about Norbert, his books, and more, look for links in the show notes, or you can go to leanblog.org slash 474. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Lean Blog Interviews. Our guest today is Norbert Majerus. He has his own consulting firm now, but he previously worked 40 years for Goodyear. He joined the company in 1978 in his home country of Luxembourg. He moved to Akron, Ohio in 1983 and worked with Goodyear Innovation Centers in both countries, retiring in 2018. His first book was released in 2016. It's titled Lean Driven Innovation, Powering Product Development at the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. It was a recipient of the Shingo Publication Award. And his latest book, I'll hold it up here for those who are watching, is Winning Innovation, Oh, innovation excellence propels an industry icon towards sustained prosperity. So, congratulations on um, the Shingo recognition and congratulations on thank the you. second book. How are you, Norbert? Norbert. Oh,
1: pretty good, pretty good. And uh, thanks for uh, inviting me uh, to share my ideas here on your podcast. I yeah, appreciate that. Yeah,
0: thank you for being here. There's a lot to explore. Uh, about innovation and lean and, and and talking about the two books but you know first off norbert as we would like to do here you know everyone's got a unique story of how they were first introduced to lean this or Toyota that so what you know what would you say is your origin story related to all of this
1: well uh, I um, uh, it, um uh, I am a uh, Six Sigma master black belt, and I have to say that uh, I really enjoyed um, Six Sigma work. It's very scientific, and uh, and we got a lot out of it. If you do it right, you can really uh, you get a lot out of it. And um, I really enjoyed it. It, um, uh, it. You can dig into deep problems and hide behind your computer. You don't have to... Worry about people too much. And I really enjoyed that. And then, um, we got a new uh, vice president and, um, uh, and he said, yeah, I like what you do with lean. He said, but uh, I with, with Six Sigma. I said, but uh, I, I want to really uh, push lean harder for product development and see. Uh, and I said, no, no way. I said that uh, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm doing it. no way. And, uh, but he didn't give up. And I'm glad he didn't. And uh, so he kept asking me a few more times. And then I was at the point I knew if I say no this time, he will not ask me again. And that's when I said yes. But there was one thing that I learned here. Uh, He really was committed to it. He wouldn't have asked me three times, and uh, if he hadn't been extremely serious supporting uh, lean in the innovation center. and as I said, it was for me, it was a risk. It was something new uh, that um, uh, uh, there not a lot of people have been successful with it. Uh, But I'm really glad I did because uh, it worked really, really well. And uh, and uh, why not? I mean, uh, and we didn't have to invent anything new, by the way. The same lean that uh, thinking, same lean principles, same lean uh, people management that you would use in other areas—they worked fine for us. Yeah.
0: Was was that vice president new?
1: to Goodyear, did they come in as an outsider, Do you know? Uh, no, no, he actually uh, came, uh, he actually came from Luxembourg too, uh, so we could speak a native language. Uh, his name is Jean-Claude Keane, I quote him a lot in, in my book. And uh, he had been in Latin America, actually in Peru, and uh, he learned lean there, and uh, especially uh, in a simulation, and that is uh, a good thinker, and he said, well, when he came in back to product development, why would this not work in the innovation center? And uh, I, uh, I really, um, uh, I'm glad he did have that uh, mm-hmm. that thought because it, it it does work really really well. So why why do do you remember why you said
0: no at first or why you were hesitant? I mean, was it a matter uh, yeah. of well, Six
1: Sigma worked well enough for you, or what? Uh, what, what, what were you thinking then? Well, uh, I'm an engineer, okay, and uh, I um, uh, maybe I went into engineering because I didn't like to work with people. At least <laughs> uh, that did cross uh, my mind, and I was happy if people left me alone with my computer and. Um, uh the uh, so the i i worked uh, some really nice projects with six sigma and uh, really successful uh, for uh, on, on a global basis for the company and um, why uh, why stop a good thing that that was my first one number 2 the company had tried lean uh, a few times in manufacturing and it was not successful at all. So I'm thinking by myself, man, that has such a negative uh, uh, now uh, connotation now that uh, the experience isn't good. So why would I uh, leave something that is a lot of fun to do something that mm-hmm. uh, it may not even work? Yeah. So those the, that, that was my main thinking.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, even if we think of you know, good lean problem solving models. If lean was being presented as a solution, it's fair to ask, well, what's, what's the problem? What problem are we trying to solve? It sounds like you thought things were going well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now um, were you applying and I really, I mean, I did some green belt training. I'm not a six Sigma uh, trained person. We don't talk about that a lot here, but it gives us an opportunity um, you know, for me to ask, were you using, quote unquote, design for Six Sigma in that product development context?
1: Yeah, it, we were. Uh, that was one of my projects. Yes. And it was about. And um, uh, um, uh, like, uh, Well, I don't want to. Uh, bore people with with too many details here, but it it was about um, the performance of tires uh, all over the United States um, in cold areas and in in, uh, very hot states uh, and so on. That was leading to a design for Six Sigma, but another very successful project was um, J.D. Power. A lot of people are familiar with J.D. Power, and uh, J.D. Power did a tire survey every year, and uh, Goodyear was always coming in last in that survey, And uh, even though we had, uh, at that time, the major market share. And uh, there were questions asked. And, uh, the, uh, uh our president at that time, Bob Keegan, uh, uh, met uh, uh, David Power in, in Detroit, and uh, it was like, well, uh, why is Gudia never winning it? And uh, Bob Keegan says, Well, I mean, that's not a good survey. Our, my people tell me that, uh, mm-hmm. that it's not a very scientific survey, and so on. And then Bob Keegan, uh, then David Power says, Well, that's what all the losers are saying. <laughs> and of course, that <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. nobody had support. And uh, JD yeah. Power actually gave me um, uh, many years' worth of data. So I had a very big database. And I could do real statistics with it, that uh, uh, like I had enough data to come to to real conclusions. And um, then I went back to J.D. Power, and I showed them, and I showed them some of the weaknesses and some of the good things. And they asked me for my recommendation. And I made the recommendation. And the next year, we won the J.D. Power. <laughs> because, uh, But I also have to say, they did accept my recommendation. Uh, uh, Six Sigma can really yeah. work for you if you understand oh. it and do it right. So.
0: so am I hearing you right that it was really a change to the JD Power methodology as opposed uh, to a yes. change in how the tires were designed and manufactured?
1: Yeah, well, uh, of course, it was more a change okay. to their methodology because if we we did redesign the tires, okay, so don't get me wrong, but that would be uh, four or five years until they appear in the in the survey, and I didn't have time to wait that long, so so I had a recommendation, and it was a very uh, good recommendation. It it made the uh, the award much more appropriate, much better, and they accepted it. But I also knew when I made the recommendation what the results would be. So. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> hey, yeah, I mean <laughs> that's real science applied to um, uh, to what. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, what what they pay me to do at work.
0: So. Sure, sure. Now, um, you mentioned earlier this idea of um, Six Sigma was effective if you do it right. We could say the same thing about lean. I'm curious, I mean, you might not have been in the middle of this, but did you hear explanations for why, when you say Goodyear had tried lean in manufacturing, it yeah. didn't work well? Do you know, okay. was it a matter of, not doing it right, not trying long enough. What What did you hear? It's
1: mean- a very clear answer. Um, I didn't uh, understand it when I went uh, to that plant the first time. But Goodyear had the a plant. They hired the best that they could get to uh, the, with their knowledge about about uh, The the process they implemented was absolutely awesome. I I I looked at it. I said, man, this is fantastic but it didn't work. And you know why it didn't work? They did not engage the people. I didn't know it at that time. It was just like, hey, do this, do this, do this, and do that. And there was was a little bit of teaching, but it was just enough teaching that the people understood what they were supposed to do. But it was not uh, uh, that, that was it. And uh, there was one person who didn't even speak uh, English very well. They needed a translator to, uh, uh, obviously came from Japan, had learned lean from the absolute best. And I, as I said, absolutely amazing what they knew, what they did. But later I understood it didn't work because they didn't engage the people. They should have taught the people in the plant, work with the people in the plant, uh, Get them. Uh, let them deploy it and let them run it and so on and coach them along. Uh, that was the, the piece that was missing. And then I went back to other areas where it was also tried and didn't work so well and exactly the same thing. Yeah. It was uh, kind of, hey, do this rather than, uh, how can we help you? Uh, be successful with this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you you mentioned earlier things including lean as a way to manage that this is consistent whether it's healthcare yeah. even or yeah, or different go. types yeah. of environments. But yeah. you know, I I have seen and been around quote unquote lean initiatives where it was basically some expert telling people how to rearrange all the equipment. Yeah, we go.
1: That's saying, exactly that's what that's
0: lean. But that 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 was you know what they did was probably correct but insufficient. Like you said, if the people didn't understand, if they barely understood why things were being arranged and rearranging equipment doesn't mean you're managing
1: any differently. Well, it did work for a while, really well. And it it worked as long as they were there managing it. But eventually it got over their head. There were four people, it got over their head and there was no owning the system. Nobody owned it. And the minute they left, Uh, Okay, Uh, a few months later, there wasn't much left of it, it. and um, it uh, it didn't sustain itself. Absolutely not. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you'll uh, indulge me, a quick General Motors story from 1995. You know, I came into a plant where somebody had designed, you had copied a design for a quote-unquote lean department. We are making uh, cutting metal for engine blocks. And it was designed with the idea of um, okay, well, it's going to flow, uptime is going to be high. We're not going to buffer everywhere, meaning pull parts off, pull inventory off. It wasn't designed for that. But then before long, the people trying to run that new design, they had their old habits of saying anytime a (laughs) machine was down, we're going to pull parts off and have piles of inventory everywhere. And they weren't doing the things, they weren't doing the preventive maintenance that would have kept the machines running. And to me, that was a very clear lesson in a mismatch between yeah. how an area is designed to be, quote unquote, lean, but if you're not going to run it that way, it could be even worse. It could perform worse than it was back, uh, you know, previous generation.
1: Yeah. The other uh, thing, by the way, that uh, brings up another thought uh, that was a big piece of it too uh, they uh, put uh, they put lean on top of an M- uh, MRP system. The, the, the factory was run by a computer and uh, the accountants and everybody uh, was counting on that system and they needed it to keep running like that. Now, uh, uh, you get your planning system from the computer and you want to plug in the pull system on top of it. Uh, that only works again if you engage everybody, and in this case, uh, it would not have been only the factory workers to be engaged, but also uh, the, the leadership, uh, the, all the different the functions involved, uh, from purchasing to uh, to 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 planning to um, uh, to finance, and everybody had to really rethink uh, that approach and become part of it, and then. Um, uh, work together to make this work and integrate the pull into the MRP system.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, that's another great example of a mismatch in you know sort of adopting one practice being out of sync <laughs> with other ways. Now, you know, when you talk about the first attempts with Lean at Goodyear and not engaging people like this seems clearly before the time when Billy Taylor was rising through the ranks because. <laughs> lean it sounds like Goodyear because of Billy and others eventually figured it out and Billy I know is huge on engaging people did you ever did you meet him and work with Billy Oh yeah
1: I well um Billy um yes we we did we spent about 5 years at least at Goodyear working together where uh Billy uh it didn't uh, happen overnight either uh so, uh, but I have to give Billy great credit that when he got the Shingo Award, that lot, um, uh, everybody in action asked, what is this? and uh, they didn't even know what it was and uh, and uh, he had gotten the the, the, the Shingo award there I mean that was uh, and that Billy you have to understand he he had to run uh, many plans, but the plant that I'm talking about was one of Billy's plans, but not when this all uh, the, the initiative uh, was deployed there uh, he in her he uh, was put in charge of that plant later okay so it didn't um, happen on his shift yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so
0: Norbert, I was looking, you know, at your bio and 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 beyond being born and raised in Luxembourg. Um, it says in your bio that you were raised on a farm. And the reason I bring this up um, is, you know, Toyota is always said to be, you know, a fairly rural company. That they were farmers or coming kind of, you know, from farming community. Did I? You know, I'm curious from your perspective, growing up on a farm. Do you see where some of those mindsets of lean? Are kind of intuitive to a farmer as opposed to say
1: a hunter. Well, the uh, one thing you learn on a farm, you have virtually no, no, no resources. Okay, you you still have to make things work, and you become extremely resourceful and. Um, and that is something that uh, the Toyota fathers of lean, uh, I mean, uh, they really had to make it work with what they had in uh, in Japan at that time to compete with. Uh, and I'm not uh, I'm not surprised that uh, uh, that that's where they learned it. I mean, you really. Have no tools. You, you uh, your your machine breaks. What are you going to do? You're going to have to invent uh, or become creative to uh, uh, to to keep it working because uh, you have a day of sunshine and uh, you have to get your your crop in. And I think that resourcefulness and uh, relying on the few resources that make the best out of those few resources uh, is something that I'm not surprised that that's how it grew up. Uh, that's how it, uh, uh, That's how they developed that culture, I think, yeah. or that piece of the culture.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like with what you went and studied, and you, you probably didn't have any interest in taking over the farm, did you? <laughs>
1: No, well, that uh, would have been very difficult because it happened to be a very small farm, and uh, you, um, the farms of that size have no had no chance at that time uh, to survive in the global environment. I mean, Europe. All of a sudden, uh, you used to sell your goods uh, to uh, the people down the street, but now all of a sudden, uh, with the European Union, now you compete with uh, the the farmers in France that have that are a hundred times bigger than uh, or the, the Northern German farm. So that, I mean, there was no, uh, that future would have been yeah. very difficult. So. Okay. Okay. You've... <laughs> um,
0: so I wanted to ask you also, in on one level you're talking about how lean is lean, but the principles are the same. Yeah. Coming to your books and using the word innovation, and in some settings we talk about improvement, are... How, how big is the distinction between improvement and innovation? How, how do you think of those two
1: words? Well, every uh, most improvement you can say is innovation. You, uh-huh. you can look at it that way. But the, the, the stretch uh, that comes in with innovation if it becomes disruptive. And if it becomes disruptive, uh, lean and disruptive uh, don't always uh, go together so well. But uh, the principles, you can apply the same lean thinking even to disruptive innovation. It's just uh, if you understand the principles, you know, uh, uh, you know how it works. Uh, I was at a plant last year um, uh, for the AME award, and uh, I was amazed how innovative they were. I was amazed how innovative the people were on the assembly line uh, with, with the, the way they solved their problems there they did not uh, uh, have a marketing strategy to to implement a new product. I mean, that's done in the office. But their thinking was uh, way out of the box um, and uh, uh, very creative. And uh, they were also empowered to do those changes. And that's something that I give the company a lot of credit for, because a lot of companies, they say, well, you can change as long as you don't do anything. That, uh, that, uh, that rocks the boat here. Uh, right. But these people didn't, uh, it was whatever they came up with, they gave them a chance to try it, and uh, it became very, very creative and became very effective, by the way. I, uh, stuff that um, I've not seen in another plant, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that level of creativity. So it's not, it, it, it works everywhere. Mm. So,
0: I mean, I'm, I'm, you, when you use the word creativity, it makes me think of um, Norman Bodek, who passed away a couple of yeah. years ago. This podcast was his idea back in the day. He was oh, okay. <laughs> he was very creative. And you know, he emphasized, as you were talking about, Norbert, how how everybody has creativity. Um, people in the factory floor, people in offices, people in the executive suites. We all have the ability to be creative, but a lot of companies stifle that creativity. Yes, absolutely.
1: absolutely. And, then wonder, and then they wonder, why aren't people being creative? Absolutely.
0: And
1: uh, uh, by I'm, the way, uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Norm was. that was one of the first books that I've ever read about Lean, and it really inspired me, by the way. Now, let me give you and uh, share another experience with you. I, uh, I came to, to Akron, and um, I uh, had... Um, uh, done some creative work with uh, with airplane tires. Okay, uh, probably the last place where you uh, where you should take a risk. And uh, I uh, I find myself in a meeting where the director I didn't even know I ended yeah. up in the meeting. And uh, but the, the the meeting only had one purpose. The, the director wanted to make it very clear that um, uh, that stuff like that will not be done on his shift. And uh, and I got that message very, very clearly, and so did everybody else in the in the who was in the meeting. I got the message, and the people talked to each other, and everybody uh, that was very clear. Hey, uh, uh, we're not taking these kind of risks. And uh, I'm still, and I'm saying the airplane tires uh, they look the same now than they looked. Um, uh, they looked uh, probably 100 years ago or 50, 60, 70 years ago, and maybe that was the reason they still look uh, uh, the, the same today. So that, um, that the fear of, of risk and uh, that fear of uh, rocking the boat or anything is probably the biggest obstacle that, that companies have when it comes to, to innovation.
0: Yeah, so you know, it's funny. It's interesting, Norbert. You talk about this phrase, disruptive innovation. We think of Clayton Christensen and the academics and the <laughs> tech companies that are all like excited about disruptive innovation. But if you are the disrupted, <laughs> now this this it becomes um, scary or or threatening. Did, and and so that innovator's dilemma is Christian. Oh, yeah, um, interesting. Clayton Christensen called it. I mean, were, were you able to find ways within Goodyear, or are you helping organizations now find ways to, to, to get past that trap?
1: That, oh yeah. you know, oh yes, oh yes. In fact, um, uh, the uh, right now. Uh, the Tesla Toyota story, where uh, Toyota is criticized for not being far enough along on electric vehicles, and uh, I even understand they really they did a reorganization, and uh, and I also heard that uh, some uh, Tesla advisors uh, are now working for Toyota, and uh, and that's good uh, a good a good thing to do. And a lot of people say, hey, uh, maybe Toyota isn't what we all thought Toyota is. And uh, I disagree with that, because what happened to Toyota is exactly what Christensen wrote in his book about uh, the innovator's dilemma. The companies who are the best at doing what they are doing are the least likely to lead the disruptive innovation, because uh, Toyota has their process every so many years, they launch a perfect product. Tesla wasn't able to do that. Tesla launched the product, and it wasn't so great. And they worked, they learned, and then they launched another one very quickly. And they learned again, and they learned again. And but it is this process that we are talking about here. This uh, some people call it agile or whatever. Is quick um, experiments uh, to to learn because innovation is about learning. Uh, the the first uh, part of it and uh, those quick learning cycles is actually uh, eric ries wrote about that in his book uh, lean startups and that is a totally new aspect uh, the the lean startup the uh, the uh, the agile and uh, uh, all these tools developed by the computer industry they did find its place uh, into most companies now, and those are wonderful tools to overcome this, uh, uh, this uh, what you call it, this uh, to to manage this risk that a lot of these bigger companies uh, see. And the other problem, of course, and Christiansen says that very clearly, um, it's very difficult to do it as a big company and a lot of big companies what they try to do they buy a smaller company to make them successful in a smaller market or they spin off a company uh, Johnson Johnson has done that uh, very well uh, that uh, there are ways to do it uh, and uh, for me it all comes back to the culture uh, it obviously wasn't in the toyota culture that piece but I believe that it can be in most people's culture. Companies can learn that. I worked for one that knew how to do it. Uh, I uh, uh, know a lot of other companies like 3M and uh, uh, I had the chance to go to Google once and uh, really learn a lot about how they do it. Company, this can be done and I'm sure Toyota is on the way to learn it. And uh, it it, it certainly can be done. There's enough research uh, 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 only talking about Christians and alone, there's a lot of research there that shows companies and teaches them how to do it. So I'm encouraging everybody to uh, to 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 um, uh, not only go for a lean culture, but for go for uh, what I call a lean culture of innovation. You can combine those two. Right. They are not um, right. uh, uh, the one does not do any harm to the other. You can really, yep. uh, run those in, uh, in perfect synergy.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, thinking of Toyota again, I mean, you know, arguably Toyota did very innovative things with the Prius and hybrid technologies. Oh, oh. They can innovate. But, you know, I think back to um, Eric Reese and Steve Blank and these, you know, lean startup type methodologies. So there's always the questions of, you know, can we build something and should we build something? And, you know, Akio Toyota as CEO, you know, it was it made many comments publicly about you know not believing that an all electric strategy is really the right way to go, and he he's criticized for that, and he's out of he's he's um, you know not doing what most of the other uh, major automakers are doing, but now that he's stepping aside as CEO, he made some comments recently about how his replacement. Is probably the better person to lead that charge, right? So it comes back to more of um, you know strategic intent. Of where where are you directing the innovation? What does that seem fair to say?
1: Yeah, that is correct. But uh, the innovation, you don't direct the innovation; the market directs the innovation. Oh, fair enough. And when Toyota, uh, the Prius, and all those cars, they still went to the gas station to get gas. Okay. The Tesla cannot go to the gas station to get gas, even though here in Florida you can now drive up and there are Tesla charging stations there. But uh, that is the big difference. The other thing that that plays here is what's called the, the chasm in the innovation. Okay, the electric vehicle only came that far because the battery wasn't ready. Now you can say, okay, we just get out of it now or you say hey we keep this going because the battery in case the battery develops we have it and we can launch it and uh, that was a big kicker and i think that was an uh, maybe you you call it luck maybe it's intuition maybe it's foresight that is something that good innovator says and obviously um, uh, Elon Musk had that foresight uh, to uh, uh, and the battery came to his aid and and so uh, a big piece of uh, it, it, again, it comes back to understanding innovation, all what is to it, including yeah. uh, uh, in this case uh, that it took a break waiting for the uh, for the battery to come along. Yeah.
0: Well, and and that seems to be part of the challenge with um, innovation and the innovator's dilemma that the technology at first doesn't seem good enough to replace old. I mean, General Motors was the first, the EV1, you know, in the 90s, the first electric vehicle on the market. If I remember right, it only had a range of something like 50 miles. It certainly wasn't 300 miles plus.
1: And it had good tires. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) Good. And um, Kodak, was an early developer, if not the first developer, of digital cameras. And I'll tell you, when I, I did an internship at Kodak in 1998, the digital cameras were either extremely expensive for professionals, like fifteen thousand dollars, or they were toys that were really terrible. Like they, they really the the, the consumer digital cameras were very low resolution, and 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 Kodak. I mean, they they got caught behind the curve. And if they hadn't been really crushed by digital cameras, they would have been crushed by phones <laughs> because <you> know, the <laughs> digital you camera go. makers um, got caught up in different innovations, right? Well,
1: uh, Kodak actually in 1974 had the first working digital camera. I have a picture of it because the person who developed it, the uh, Uh, Gave me the picture, so um, uh, they had the technology. uh, But then um, again, Bob Keegan joined Goodyear in the in the nineties, and he was uh, the vice president of the films division. And he he said, "If you make eighty percent net profit on film, why would you even think about (laughs) doing anything else?" And uh, but he was already uh, uh, he left Kodak when uh, when the writing was on the wall. uh, Yeah yeah and
0: then you know one other comment i mean i don't want to take too deep of a dive into tesla but back to your point about the ability to combine you know if you will lean manufacturing with innovative products my understanding as an outsider of you know part of the tesla history is you know maybe a different innovators trap where it's it's said that elon thought well of course i can create a better way to manufacture the cars I don't need to learn from Toyota and the others who've come before me. And there's, you know, a long history there where it seems like, you know, Toyota was an investor. It seemed like Toyota was trying to help and then they ended up, you know, sort of parting ways. And I mean, it's just, it's interesting. A lot of Tesla's problems have been on the production side, how much, it's the unknowable thought experiment of how much more successful would they have been with uh, you know the, the the Toyota manufacturing model Absolutely. that had lived that had lived in that factory. <laughs> you yeah. know that's that had gone from GM old thinking to Numi Toyota thinking yes. to now Tesla, which is not Toyota thinking. So it's just uh, yeah,
1: that, uh, everything that is knowledge, everything that is learned, everything that is best practice is out there. Uh, I think you have to uh, to learn that. Or you're going, to, or you will be behind. There, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. If there is a better, if there is a best way to manufacture cars, and that is lean, and that is the Toyota manufacturing system, then um, there's no reason not to do it because you can learn it. It's out there. You 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 can learn it. And uh, but the same way, by the way, you can learn innovation. You can learn lean innovation. Same way. I mean, there are best practices that you can learn from. And I'm sure Toyota will pick those up. Yeah, it seems like you know there's
0: a couple pieces here, and you know you emphasize these both in the book. There's the rapid problem solving and experimentation, whether we call yes. that design for Six Sigma or Lean product development or Agile product development. And then there's the piece you know it comes from Toyota language, um, respect for people. Yep. So in 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 your experience, you know how how do those two concepts best fit together when it comes to product development and innovation?
1: The, um, as I said, I uh, I went into engineering because I was uncomfortable dealing with people. But I have to say today that uh, after I learned uh, Lean, uh, I mean the the, the, the typical uh, 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 management philosophy of, of Lean, like the respect for people, the humble leadership, and all those things, I I really des for an eye opener. For me, I had gone to many uh, uh, classes, leadership classes, all kinds of, um, and um, yeah, okay. I, there was always a little bit that stuck, but I have to tell you, the the the, the, the lean education was real eye opener for me. Today, I would say I wish I had learned that earlier in my career. I would have had a totally different career. I'm not saying I'm an expert on people, but I'm comfortable. I'm very comfortable around people because that is the way I would have loved to do it it wasn't the standard it wasn't encouraged I would have loved to do it that way that's really helping you with innovation and I uh, I tell you uh, the uh, it, it Engaging the people is, is the best thing you can do to make them creative, to make them innovative, to, 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 to encourage them to, to think out of the box. And, um, the, uh, the other thing that I, uh, uh, the, the, the humility, uh, uh, you, you don't give them solutions. You just help them, uh, find the best solutions. That is as, fundamental to creativity as anything you can uh, uh, you can do. So for me, that is a really, really um, great way of managing an innovation organization. And also, for example, I went through several of those innovation uh, organizations where you are separate. I, that was my first experience, the Skunk Works approach. That was my first experience. And a lot of companies have an innovation office. They have been... That's not the way to do it. People have, it, it doesn't work that way. It only works when people work together. When they collaborate uh, from the first uh, t- uh, minute of the idea they they uh, uh, you get input from everybody and you build this thing together. It, I, everything else takes too long. Uh, nothing else. you uh, that again, uh, I learned that in Lee. And it works fabulous uh, when you apply it to to innovation, whether you develop a new process or a new uh, service or a new product, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, the, the basic people management of, of Lean does wonderful things for innovation. Yeah. You're,
0: you're making me think of what you described earlier where, you know, kind of, forcing people to do certain lean things that might be successful for a while. And, but it doesn't, it doesn't last. It doesn't sustain. I mean, it seems like there there are companies we could point to where without that, that, that respect for people without humility, without that level of engagement, they could be innovative for a while, but does that, does that catch up to them? Eventually, if you think of companies where let's say, you know, pe- people, um, Word gets around quickly that if you disagree with the, the CEO, you get fired.
1: Yes, so, I uh, had that experience.
0: How long can a company like that continue to be innovative or being in, innovative in spite of some of those cultural, I would call yeah. them problems?
1: The, uh, the innovation in a case like that, works when the person who uh, dictates or makes the rules dictates to do the innovation. And I've seen that happen. And uh, you you, uh, uh, you sell it to the top, and from the top it comes down, do it. You can be very successful with innovation. It, but it takes a long time, and it takes an enormous effort, because uh, when it comes down from the top as an edict, does not mean that everybody will do it. And people will prove the top wrong uh, more than uh, uh, prove them right, and it, um, uh, the failure rates are very high that way. But also, it takes forever, and you can't do that anymore today. The changes in the market are, are so quick today. You really the the agility. Uh, is really needed to be successful with it, and uh, uh, so uh, it, people may think it takes longer if you engage people in doing it than when you tell them, and that is wrong. Okay, it, 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 it's a lot more efficient and faster if you engage people from the beginning, uh, because it may be a little bit of um, uh, more work at the beginning to get uh, started, but once you get going, you go in the right direction, and. Yeah. And everybody pulls and everybody rows the boat in the same direction, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, you're you're making me think of
0: even the opportunity perhaps to engage the market, to engage your customer base in the adoption curve for new technology. Because you know, a couple of minutes ago, you, you made the good point that, of course, the market drives the direction that innovation should go, and you know, I, I think I remember Akio Toyota making comments of. You know, not not being convinced that everybody wants to buy an electric yeah. vehicle or that, you know, and and so there's this question of, I mean, you know, you're you're forecasting years into the future. Toyota could have been right on that regard. They could at some point even catastrophically learn that they were as wrong as the Detroit automakers were wrong back in the day about people wanting big, huge, giant gas guzzlers. Um, you know, so Toyota's read on where the the market is going. I mean that that's that's a difficult strategic decision. Or then it comes back to the question. Let me turn it back to you. Of how 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 agile can they be if they're going to change direction and say, you know what, we do need to be all in on an electric only strategy. How fast can they move?
1: I uh, have to go back to and again here. Uh, on the, the Toyota's customers probably told them very clearly what they want. They want uh, a car that uh, gets better gas mileage, the more comfort, and so on and so on and so on. Nobody told them, I want an electric vehicle. Because people are smarter than that. They know they can't charge that. Uh, that vehicle and, and so on and uh, and Henry Ford said uh, if I had asked the, the, the customers they would have said we want faster horses so it goes back that far oh, and here we go now to the uh, to the Apple um, uh, philosophy um, the, uh, Stephen Jobs said every time somebody came with a new idea he said show it to me. And somebody showed it to him and he said, how does this demo? How can we use this to convince the customer that this is better? And um, in order to do that, you just build a rough prototype of something. And people say, oh, we didn't know this. uh, And now you are talking. Now you... Have something that you can move, and you can move very fast. And that is again uh, comes in the lead startup and has been very popular. I used it a lot. And it, uh, it, uh, and uh, uh, talking back with my uh, old colleagues at Goodyear, uh, that what it always came down to, it was so simple. And you show it to somebody and they said, Oh, that is a great idea. And, and uh, that is the piece that, uh, that was brought along with all these entrepreneurs uh, these lean startup uh, that were successful with these lean startups they didn't have money they right. couldn't do research the only thing they had is trial and error mm-hmm. and then they made that process very very efficient yeah and I think that's the uh, where a lot of successful innovation is done that way uh, yeah. Uh, nowadays
0: yeah you know and I, and I think just maybe one other brief exploration of the EV adoption challenge. So, I mean, there's maybe this question of convincing, showing customers where they they should want to be going, but then, you know, there, you know, there, there's that whole question of charging and range. And that, that might be harder to, that's harder to demo. You can sort of try to explain and Tesla, um, you know, innovated with their supercharger network, um, to help address that but um yeah that, that that consumer behavior that consumer habit is um can, can be difficult to steer in 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 that direction some are uniquely charismatic and convincing like yeah. steve jobs
1: <laughs> yeah 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 uh, well uh, that's uh, uh Uh, be clear about that Tesla did not go to the mass market right away. Tesla went to some niches, and one niche was uh, enthusiasts, people who loved electric vehicles. And uh, they used uh, uh, that market to develop the technology, to develop uh, uh, everything else. And yes, the batteries helped them. Uh, If not... They would have had to take a break uh, again until um, uh, until the, the, the batteries are at the level. But then um, what I see right now is how aggressively they develop the charging capacity. Because that's what you need to go to the masses now. And that will happen. And uh, I think they are very good at that. And uh, that is also something uh, that prioritization of the most critical thing at the at the right time that a lot of companies don't know. And I could tell you dozens of stories from Goodyear about that, that, uh, hey, um, this will only work if, and I, there's, it's very clear, Tesla will go to the mass market if the critical mass of charging uh, stations is available. And they know them. That's what they push right now. And That's the entry into the into the uh, into the mass market, and then of course, if the char- if the stations out there and they share them, and Tesla's very good at that sharing, they may share them with Toyota vehicles or other vehicles, which then uh, of course helps them. Yeah, and I'm, I know that
0: you know between the two books, um, a lot of stories either directly about Goodyear or maybe inspired by Goodyear and and other companies. So again the most recent book winning innovation it's uh, it's available now um Norbert Majerus who's been joining us here today. So this this book is uh, a a business novel format. I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit um you know the the thought process around um you know doing it in that format.
1: Yeah. That is uh, very easy to answer um the, the more I learned about innovation, the more I, uh, not about in, about lean, uh, to start with. It's, uh, it's all about people, okay. And, um, the, uh, if you talk about people, it's not, uh, just, uh, engineering and uh, it's not all left brain. It, it's, uh, it, it, there's a lot of right brain, um, uh, considerations that you have to bring in. There are emotions. There are frustrations. There is anger. There is all those kind of things. And uh, I thought for a long time, how can I bring these in, and uh, and make sure that people understand that part of a lead transformation. And uh, in those stories, I could put them in there, and they come out. Uh, and uh, it's it's real people doing it and uh, it, it gives people the courage hey uh, uh, yes uh, i'm not uh, the only one here this happens to other people too and there's a way to get around it and uh, there's a way to deal with it that was the, the main reason that i uh, i tried to, to set it up uh, to set it up like that the uh, most of the stories in the book really happened they happened at work but I couldn't put (laughs) put the the real names to them or or whatever. But uh, most of them really happened like that uh, at work. So if they happened in my uh, environment at work, they would happen to other people in their environment. And it's that idea that I wanted to to communicate. I know it's a stretch. Um, And I uh, purposely did not at the end say, okay, uh, now you heard the stories and here are now the principles. I thought that was disrespectful to people. I want people to think, and if they think and they understand, I think they can come up with those principles on their own. That I'm convinced they
0: can. Yeah. So. Have you? I mean, I mean, the book's been out long enough. You're, um, you're getting feedback from early readers that they are taking away the principles oh. that you expected them to, or sometimes maybe they come up with an insight. That's even that's different.
1: Uh, some people, the most uh, important comment is: I just read the book to the end. I wanted to know how the love story ends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. If that makes you read it to the end, <laughs> we got uh, we got what we wanted. It, um, uh, I got uh, uh, last week. Uh, there, there's actually. Uh, this is about a small company, uh, the owner of the company, and I actually got the call from a gentleman. Uh, he owns his own company. He said, man, this is a great book. He said, I see myself through this whole thing, and I see how I can do things differently. Yeah, of course, that. Uh, but um, many people should see uh, themselves in it. I'm actually in the book three times. Um, I'm in there as a young engineer who cannot sell his ideas. <laughs> I'm in there as a uh, as a um, leading a major transformation, and uh, I'm in there as uh, how I wish I would have been able to run an organization. So. Well,
0: Nobert, thank you for for sharing uh, your your experiences and your insights in the books. Thank you for I you know. Um, doing the same thing today. I feel like we're just scratching the surface of all the things that we could discuss and all the things that you could um, share with us. So I will put in the show notes, of course, links to Norbert's website, the book, um, the new book, Winning Innovation, How Innovation Excellence Propels an Industry Icon Towards Sustained Prosperity. There will be links um, also in the show notes to some other um, articles that that Norbert has written for the Lean Enterprise Institute and, and others. So you can um, keep learning from Norbert. But thank you to the listeners for joining us for this hour. And you know, Norbert, thank you for being here with us today.
1: Thanks for giving me the opportunity.
0: Well, thanks again to Norbert for being a great guest today and for the conversation. To learn more about him, his books, his website, and more, look for links in the show notes or go to leanblog.org slash 474.